back themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. And Golden State. Welcome to Views from the Clutch. I go by the name of Smart Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. C. Grant. And we are back with a trade deadline edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, we'd like to take this moment out to say thank you to our listeners, supporters, and subscribers. If you would like to join the movement, you could do so by leaving us a message on any of the podcasting platforms we are hosted on. You can also reach us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, man. What a day. It, it was almost, it was almost, it was almost like don't look at your phone because the next thing you see was going to be something crazy today. No, nah, but with all that being said, everything that happened wasn't the, wasn't that crazy. I think we literally called exactly what the Orlando Magic were going to do. Shout out to Terrence Ross, you are now the franchise player of the Orlando Magic. <laughs> Facts, you ain't lying. Yeah, because we um. We definitely thought it was going to be a fire sale for uh, Orlando. We thought it was going to be a fire sale for a couple other teams, but I guess they want to be um, continue to be terrible. Um, or they ba- or they bailed and just decided, you know what, get anything back for you, so we just going to pay you to go away, which happened twice. San Antonio, we'll Samaria yeah. has got no, no, San Antonio. You know they um they bought out Lamarcus Aldridge. Cleveland bought out. Um, Andre Drummond. Oh, the Drummond Drummond bio is finalized. I thought it was. I know. I know. No, you know what? Yes, 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 yes. You know what? I just, I just haven't. Um, I had to refresh my page. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is finalized. Um, because they actually, it seemed like they both were finalized basically around the same time. As soon as they couldn't get the deals at like, I guess three thirty or something, or whenever the deadline ended, it was at three o'clock or three thirty. Um, it seemed like. Five ten minutes after that, both of them dudes got uh bought out. So that that'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting. So from what I hear, from what I hear, the Marcus Aldridge is linked to Miami. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. That's everything I've seen. Now I would not be surprised if it's something else, but uh, I think it would be Miami. Which I actually thought, being that the Celtics didn't make any um major moves, I thought they did. Well, they did make a big yeah, move. I mean, we'll get to that. Yeah, though. yeah, but I mean, I mean, and they to the extent of a big man, you know what I mean, like a, a stretch, a stretch four, stretch five type player. Um, How about a guy who's actually willing to, or or, or above six ten, be on their <laughs> their front line? Let's just go ahead and start with the Celtics. So, um, I'm I'm befuddled as to what Danny Ainge is doing. For the past, I want to say, let's go seven years back. Mm-hmm. It's been dealer. Dan- no, let's go even further back. Let's go back to when he engineered the big three that came to Boston. Facts. Because, you know, he gets all the credit for that. Mm-hmm. Da- Danny Ainge has been in that top 10, top five, top seven GMs in the NBA ranking list by default. 
for, for the moves that he was making. Of course, you know, along the lines of assembling the big three, he also managed to tear them down, rebuild, and get Jason Tatum, bring in um, Isaiah Thomas to have Isaiah Thomas have one of the, you know, greatest two-year runs ever in a Celtics uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he brings Ken, Kemba Walker in. He drafts Jalen Brown. He, um, Gordon Hayward. He drafts Jason Tatum. There's a number of – and, yeah, I said he drafted Jason Tatum. Oh, gotcha. Tatum. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. All right. He, he's been on the clock and highly respected, you know, amongst – experts in, in the basketball field for his acumen and acquiring players and putting together rosters and stashing draft picks and being able to turn those into assets to make his team still be competitive while, you know, still being in a fray for, for young talent. Mm-hmm. Here we are, the Boston Celtics, you know, last year they flamed out against Miami mm-hmm. and um, a lot of their issues were exposed. Kemba Walker wasn't healthy and their front court really couldn't do anything with Bam out of Bayou and the rest of um the Miami Heat. So you figure going into the season, something that we've spoken on uh, pretty much all year is when is the Celtics going to go get a big man? Yeah. So here comes the trade deadline. And what do the Celtics do? They trade away their starting center, who's only 6'8 anyway. Yeah. Daniel Thies has been moved to, and I think he got moved somewhere where he might not even get playing time. Is he in Denver or something weird like no, that? No, Daniel. Where did they he, move Daniel Thies to? Thies got moved to, if I'm not mistaken, he got moved to Chicago. Uh, okay, well, I'll double check that in a second. But if I'm not mistaken, he got double check. He got um. Give me a second. I'm trying to look at it real quick. But yeah, I mean, either way, uh, yeah, to the Bulls, he got transferred to the. Got, I said transferred, he got traded to the Bulls. So let's go ahead and let's just go ahead and, and, and since we did Boston, let's just go ahead and move to Chicago. We'll keep it on the East. I consider Chicago to be probably the winners of the trade deadline. They got a player who we didn't expect them to be able to acquire or thought would be one of the more, more difficult ones to move. I mean, yeah, they gave away they, they gave away a couple of draft picks along with So let's just go ahead and go over the trade. So it's Nikola Vucevic, Alfarik Aminu for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter, your man, your nephew. Surprise. And, um, and, and what is it, two draft picks? Yeah, two first-rounders. Mm-hmm. I think his first round. I think one of them was a swap, though. But either way. So what Chicago has done is they've moved away from their young starting center, who's only averaging 10 and 8 points, 10 points, 8 boards, a rebound a game. And Wendell Carter's a good player. He still has a chance to develop and be, you know, I don't want to say something special, but he, he stands to be uh, a reputable starting center in the NBA for the remainder of his career. 10 and 8 in your second and third years is nothing to, to – you know, laugh at. But was it enough to help Chicago get over the hump and be a plus 500 team? No. So now you insert Nikola Vucevic, who was averaging 24 and 11, shooting 40.5% from three-point land. And he's 30, and he's got two years left on his deal, a total of, I think, $46 million. Mm. So they've got a cornerstone big to, to I guess, pacify everybody in in you know Chicago, who thought that Levine was going to be gone, or they wouldn't be able to keep him because he all of a sudden do the I'm unhappy, I want to go somewhere I can, where I can win things. Yeah. Because now they have a legitimate, you know, if not a big three, they have a legitimate two, and then they have two players who can vie for that third role in Kobe White and Laurie Markkinen. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that Laurie Markkinen was kept, which is a good thing because I'm actually high on Laurie Markkinen. It's unfortunate that. 
he hasn't played up to, you know, what I think his talent warrants he can do in the NBA. But they kept him. They held on to Laurie. They held on to Kobe. Um, they, they got from under Otto Porter Jr. They did have to let go of a talented young – they let go of all of their talented young bigs because Daniel Gafford got traded too. And I think he's part of uh, – was he part of the Daniel Thies trade? Was that how he got moved out? Uh, no, that guy was a separate trade. Uh, your mm-hmm. man was a separate trade. I forgot. Um, but it was just like a nobody for a nobody. That's all it was. You know what I mean? They ain't gonna move the needle. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't tell you. I I couldn't tell you who those dudes were that they got traded for each other. But I think it was just more so. I'm trying to look to see if I can find it, but. Uh, but now Chicago is stockpiled with veterans who have gone to the playoffs. I can't say that these are guys who have done deep playoff runs, but they're accustomed to winning and they know about winning habits. Nikola Vucevic has played in the playoffs the past two seasons as a member of the Orlando Magic. You know, that first round date where they lose four games and go home, he's been a party to that. So he, he's got some familiarity with postseason play and it's going to be helpful to what they have going on in Chicago. I wonder if that was something that, you know, Billy Donovan asked for as the coach, you know, give me a veteran big. Mm-hmm to see if, you know, that could stabilize the inconsistencies that that team has. Because most of the inconsistencies rely on if Zach Levine's not having a great game, if Kobe White's not playing out of his mind, then stuck, they aren't yeah. necessarily able to keep you – know, they're not necessarily able to keep up with the other team. Mm-hmm. When you've got an inside-outside threat like Nikola Vucevic, that kind of changes the dynamic of the team and allows them, those two, to play off of each, each other and, you know, Give Kobe White a legitimate pick and pop big. Yeah, even Zach Levine a pick and pop if need be. Um, yeah, and and it also takes some pressure off of the weak side for Laurie Marketing to get open shots because when you got a guy like Wendell Carter Jr. who's still developing and is not really that serious of a perimeter threat, mm-hmm. you you can kind of you can kind of hedge your defense to make sure that Laurie Marketing is not getting easy spot up shots, so on and so forth, and I think that's the role that they probably have a vision for Laurie Marketing because him with the ball is not really something that's feasible with that Chicago Bulls offense. Even when Nikola Vucevic wasn't there, you got Kobe White who does a lot of ball handling. You got Zach Levine who does a lot of offense initiating. There's no point to bringing Lloyd Markin into the top of the key and giving him the ball and, hey, you know, go do your your, your fake Dirk impression. So I think now it's, it'll be slotted so that he'll get a lot more easier shots than what he was getting. And hopefully that, you know, raises their offensive potential and, you know, they can make some moves. Now Chicago has got to go to the playoffs. Yeah. They're on the clock. No, of course. Absolutely. I think I think Vucevic allows them also – I mean, because the reality is, I, like I said, I was shocked about this trade, but I also look at what they gave up. I definitely gave up Carter, Carter Jr. and um, Otto Porter Jr. Um, Without hesitation. Yeah. Without hesitation. Easily. easily. And it's two first-round picks. Depending on, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what, uh, what years though. One of them is a swap. It isn't so bad because you do have to give up a draft pick when you let go of a franchise player. It's almost like a written rule in trades that one of your first round draft picks is probably going to go out if you're giving yeah. out a, a, a franchise level talent, and that's what Nikola Vucevic is. You know, he's a multi time All Star, so. I do see the exchange rate as being somewhat fair, especially since one of the draft picks is a swap. So, I mean, well, I'm not Chicago sure if it's a swap. I think it is, but I don't quote. You know, what I mean, don't quote me on that because it's not. But I mean, it is what it is. The the biggest thing that um that they have to worry about is 
like I said, they're getting in a high level production at a position that it was needed for them. You got I mean, you got a high level rebounder and a high level um points. So that's that's right there, like you said, it's putting Chicago on the clock, but it also gives Zach Levine someone that that they can actually try to um hey get the ball another another consistent a consistent number two. I mean, because I, I, I mean to be honest, the Bulls didn't have a consistent number two player. I mean, you had Kobe White as your possible number two, but they, again, this is, there was times where he wasn't consistent. You know what I mean? You you, you mm-hmm. throw in your second year point guard to you know try to be the consistent player. It's kind of like, wait a minute, this is not going to really work in the long term. And again, regardless of what marketing does, because this is marketing's last season. I mean, he's a uh, a free agent after this is his final season of his contract, mm-hmm. so. You you have some type of insurance, like okay, we can't resign marketing. We still have this two time all star who yeah. who could still who's still very productive. It's not like he's been a two time all star like ten years ago. You know what I mean? Like he just just coming off the all star game. He's fresh off the all star game. Yeah, so fresh off the all star game. So he he definitely provides, like I said, they're 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 a tangible, legitimate team in the Eastern Conference. Are they top five? Absolutely no. not. Can they can they can they work themselves to being in that type of space considering how mucky the East is? Yes. Can they over the course of you know the next couple of years be in that conversation for a top four, top five team in the East with what they have? Anything's possible, but I don't see I see Nikola Vucevic, he's, okay, so if you put Joel Embiid on the super tier, you know, the S tier of, of NBA big men, Nikola Vucevic is right underneath him. He's in that A tier. So, yeah, you're not, you don't have a big as good as Joel Embiid, but nobody else does either. Yeah, facts. You know, you got Joel Embiid, you got a- Anthony Davis, as far as premier bigs go. You got mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Nikola Vucevic, uh, not, not, not Nikola Vucevic, I'm, I'm sorry, I meant Jokic. Yeah. And but Vucevic is underneath then, those guys, like he's right, right underneath. So, and at any given day, he can go off and be on par with them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, is he going to be expected to do that, be on par with them consistently? No, but any day he could play over his head and be right mm-hmm. there with them and give you the same type of production that you're going to get from those guys. So, it, it's a boon, it's a win for Chicago. But back to Orlando and their fire sale next on the docket, uh. Aaron Gordon is now a member of the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't I, – you know what? When I saw the deal happen, it was a surprise to me because when I saw Orlando, they played um, the Nuggets the other night. And it seemed like after the game, it was Murray and Jokic that was talking to Aaron Gordon. It almost looked like it was trying to give him some type of count, uh, you know, counseling, saying, yo – don't worry, we, you know, we spoke to the GM, we're going to get you. You know what I mean? It was almost like one of those, the way they were talking to him was like, yo. It was like a don't worry, yeah, be happy. we got speech. like, yo, the deal, is the ink is almost dry. You know what I'm saying? Because he also was one of the first deals that they announced. I mean, I think, well, mm-hmm. well, let me say this. Yeah, well, he was actually the, I think he was the first, or no, he was probably the third of the players because I think, when we were um, going through yeah, it. He was the third of the players announced, but I'm pretty sure his deal was was the easiest one to solidify because it was it was so unrelated to everything else that, mm-hmm. that Orlando was doing. I think Orlando just wanted to be sure before they announced it, 
where they were going as far as so you know you you, you structure the release of your information to to give your fans some ease mm-hmm. i mean the orlando magic if if you're an orlando magic fan and you're also a listener of our podcast if our last episode didn't prep you for what occurred today then nothing else will exactly again the only thing that we're really surprised with is that terrence ross got kept i don't know if there's no market for him because if lou williams got flipped for rajon rondo yeah. figure nobody's safe so so the atlanta hawks have moved off rajon rondo which I never really saw him as a good fit in Atlanta. I do understand what he brought to the table and what he could bring to that team. I just didn't envision him fresh off a championship, wanting to be a part of that. Yeah, but that was the thing. It was a more, you know, more money you go play. from. Yeah, and I think you know he parlayed playoff Rondo into a nice check. But to see him go back to the Clippers is kind of well, you know as a oh, Lakers gotcha. fan, yeah. kind of go like, back to LA because he's never been a Clipper. Right. Yeah. I mean, to see him go back to L.A., yeah. But, again, considering he didn't sign with the Clippers, I can't really fault him. He got traded there, so I don't really have any ill will towards Rondo. And it's interesting to see what type of stability he could bring to that team. Obviously, we won't get to see that manifest into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He'll probably, you know, use the remainder of the regular season to get acclimated. But Rondo is one of the most intelligent point guards in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys who just simply knows how to get players' shots easy shots, scorable shots. He knows when the defense is vulnerable and when to attack and make shots that, you know, the average defender doesn't think he can make. He, he does it repeatedly, like, all right, I'm going to give him this jump shot. And then Rondo goes off and has a five for eight from three-point land game. You know what you're going to get from Rondo, and then you also don't know what you're going to get from Rondo, but what you don't know what you're going to get usually tends to, usually tends to benefit your team if he's on it. So, you know, I actually want to give the Clippers some credit, but I do feel like that was a very high cost to pay. Now, we've been speculating on what's going on with Tyron Lou and Lou Williams since the beginning of the season. Yeah. And this is indicative of me thinking and you thinking that Tyron Lou was never really happy or sold on Lou Williams' you know, value on that team. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know what happened to bring that about. Maybe maybe Tyron Lou and Lou Williams, being that they both have, you know, the same name in different parts of their name, just couldn't coexist in the same city. Yeah, or, and or Tyron said, you know what? Let me go ahead and send you back to where you got them wings from. Yeah. Or 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 the fact that Lou Williams might have crossed them up one time in the game when top before Ty Lou retired, became a coach. Because Lou Williams been yeah. in the league for a minute too. So it ain't even like facts. You know what I mean? So it's it, it's facts. one of those things. But I mean, I think I think from what we saw, it's beneficial to both parties. He gets to go to Atlanta. He can still be a six man. Go back to a team where he was he was at before, um, mm-hmm. and still kind of play that that same role. You know, because Atlanta Atlanta needs. Right. Um, you can always use a high value Punch off the production off the bench. I mean, granted, defensively, yeah, him and uh, Trey Young are in the game at the same time, but Atlanta's never been like a defensive stopping team. So. It's kind of like you know what that that offensive firepower we could take, you know, and the fact that the um, Atlanta's been hot, you know, they've, they've won eight out of the last ten games. I mean, they're currently in the seventh seventh position, uh, but they're currently in the seventh position. But they're on the. How about the fact that they didn't move John? They Collins, didn't move John Collins, which is something that they had announced. Yeah, because he's a he's he. We didn't announce that. They yeah, announced. he'll be a restricted free agent after this season. I guess maybe they looked at it like whatever we're getting back in return or the offers we're getting is not enough. And 
maybe they can have a talk with them and say, yo, look, we'll try to get somebody, some of these players out of here. But the reality, Atlanta is half a game, um, half a game out of the fourth position in the East. And the East has been so, um, you know, the, yeah, especially from the fourth position to the tenth position. I mean, heck, the fourth position to the tenth position is three games. Like, you know what I mean? So it's a big. Well, I think also I was also talking that there's probably a reason why a lot of teams did not make moves or they wanted, they were trying to ask for more because they're looking at it like, well, if you get, we get these guys up, and we're not getting draft picks and rotational players, then we're not going to do it. So they probably figured, cause, mm-hmm. because they're like, you know, worst case scenario, we still got a chance to make the playoffs. And if you don't want to get what we want, then you'll miss out. You know what I mean? Because it's almost like how aggressive do you want to be? And that some teams didn't want to pull the trigger because when we saw some of these trades, we talked about some of the trades, but some of the teams that we thought was going to be active really weren't active. I mean, and that's the thing sometimes with these rumor mills, you know, they put the rumor mills out there and then sometimes you believe that's going to be the case because you hear from like every news media outlet, the same exact rumor mill. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, it got to be somewhat true because that's even transitioning gears when, you know, they were talking about how Philly needed a point guard and it was, you know, talked about the Raptors moving off from Kyle Lowry. And even last night, they took him out the game. And then after mm-hmm. the game, it was almost like, yo, he kind of was like, all right, this is my last time I'm here. And then come to find out, you don't, the Raptors don't move him, but then Philadelphia, they get a point guard. But it ain't the point guard nobody was thinking. It's George Hill. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute. So, again, that could have been a situation. Which I think was a very savvy move for, for Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia, their roster is set for a quality level playoff run. When you acquire somebody like George Hill, he definitely gives you the opportunity to allow Ben Simmons to not necessarily be the primary ball handler in closing situations. And statistically, he's one of the best three-point shooters actively playing. So... He's not currently playing now because he's been hurt, but I'm pretty sure he'll suit up for Philly soon and he'll help shore up their, you know, their fourth quarter, which is what you need when, mm-hmm. when you're trying to make a deep playoff run is you need somebody at the head of the snake who you can rely on to make free throws, make good decisions, make good defensive calls. George Hill is a quality veteran. He he got his grooming with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And he's been able to take that education to every franchise he's gone to, and he's been a positive everywhere he's been. He was a positive in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. He was a positive for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was a positive for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, on and on and mm-hmm. on. So I do think that Philadelphia did make a very savvy move in being able to acquire him. Um, shout out to the Oklahoma City Thunder, who you pointed out to me, have now acquired what uh, Akeem Olajuwon's jersey number in, in draft picks, 34. Yeah. 34, there you go. So they have 17 first-rounders and 17 second-rounders. Sam Presti for president, man. Yeah. Sam Presti for president. And, 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 and the reality is this is this is the type, if you're small, you know, they always talk about the small market teams. This is what you want because you can get good players, and then if they start asking for too many contracts, you could just keep rinse and repeat. You know, so that's mm-hmm. that way you can always stay under the cap. Uh, every now and then, you'll take a a large cap player like the like the um like Al Horford. You know, every now and then, mm-hmm. takes to say, you know, we're trying to see if these 
just to make sure that you're not too far under the cap. Because remember, I think people forget teams get punished for not actually spending. So you can't like if the cap is 100 mil and you finish the season with a payroll of like 67 mil, you take a hit for that. Yeah. You take a hit for not actually spending money and making it available to to players mm-hmm. out there. Now, obviously, if you're fielding a full team and you somehow manage to magically be under the cap, sometimes it just be yeah. that way. But when you're too far under the cap, there is a penalty for exactly. that too. So, like you said, it, it boons Oklahoma, Oklahoma City to be able to take a player like Horford on or anybody else who's looking to, like for instance, like when they um, took on Chris Paul, mm-hmm. because they were swapping out Russell Westbrook's salary, it didn't really affect them because it was a lateral yeah. move. Now the same thing consists with them when they decide or if they decide because Al Horford's in like a three-year, hundred million dollar deal, and I think he's in the second year. So next year he becomes an expiring contract. So you got a, a you know a premier level front court player who's you know until end of his career. I don't know if Al Horford would be able to play beyond the, the the expiration of this contract. You never know in the NBA he could get resigned. He may still want to play. Who knows? But the point is. Next year, he's a $30 million expiring contract that they'll just be able to flip and use to, to their advantage. Sam Presti has definitely he's definitely managed to keep Oklahoma City relevant while not being competitive, and there, there's something to be said about that. Um, moving forward to competitive teams that are still in the East, um, Victor Oladipo, welcome to Miami. Mm-hmm. So the Houston Rockets were able to – what were they? What did they get for him? Let's see. The Rockets got Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, 2022 first round swap rights. I mean, did, did they even get like some barbecue sauce with this? Mm-hmm. Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek? Now, mind you, Kelly Olenek is a quality three point shooter, stretch four. Um, I think you sent me some data earlier about how Miami has managed to keep him under his playing time threshold so that he wouldn't get his bonuses. Yo, that was crazy. That was, that was, that's Petty Pat, man. Petty Pat Riley, man. Cause they, they, uh, I saw this one on Bobby Marks, uh, one of the NBA insiders literally was like, he had two bonuses in his contract and one of them was $400,000 for uh, reaching the first round of the playoffs. Well, Miami was in a chance to make it a plus. You go into Houston Ain't no playoffs. So that's 400,000 you ain't getting. Then it was basically a million dollars for a certain amount of minutes played. But they're saying that he um, he's about 330, 36 minutes short of that million dollar bonus. So there's a chance that he won't get that either. You know what I mean? Depending on what Miami wants to do. Miami might be like, look, we're either going to buy you out, you know, or um, to just sit him on the bench. Houston, my yeah, Houston, Houston, yeah. Um, if I'm Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk, I'm looking to be bought out. Yeah, especially Avery, yeah, Avery Bradley, Bradley. Obviously, sure. I mean, Avery Bradley wasn't really playing a lot in Miami. He was playing, but he wasn't playing a lot. He's he's always going to be a rotational player because of his defensive acumen. I think he's very useful on teams that are you know on the verge of competing for a championship, and you want somebody who is willing to be a lockdown perimeter player. He may not necessarily still be on that level, but, you know, he does play quality defense. That, that That's his calling card in the NBA. He hits open threes. 
Um, he was doing that for the Lakers until he opted to not participate in the bubble. So he did get a courtesy championship ring. I don't know if he actually kept it or if they actually sent it to him, but he was a part of that championship roster, even though he didn't play in the playoffs. So Avery Bradley's a quality player. Um, Kelly Olenek, like I said, is a stretch four. He becomes useful in the playoffs too when teams start to, you know, really mm-hmm. hunker down and points get harder to come by. So I don't envision Houston keeping those guys, but I don't know if Houston's the type to buy them out either. So I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to those two guys. Um, who knows? Maybe Kelly Olenek finds his way back to Miami because Miami is heavy. So a lot of guys that they let go, they wind up coming back. They, um, they didn't move off Myers Leonard entirely for the goofiness that he gave, he engaged himself in while streaming a video game session and saying some, you know, racially insensitive things. They just simply, you know, put him in a bunker and hit him away. No, nah, but they traded him. He's been hurt all season anyway. They, they traded Myers Leonard? He got traded a couple weeks ago. I want to say, not a couple weeks ago, I want to say mm. a couple of days ago, but then he just got released, I believe. Uh, it got traded to Oakland. I want to say the he got released. He got, he got traded to the Thunder for like, I think like a second round draft pick in a year, 3,020 or something. You know what I mean? Mm. Like something. And then next thing you know, mm. Oklahoma City waved him. So there is a possibility. So Miami moved off him. Too. Yeah, so there is a possibility that. But he's not healthy. He's the season. So yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So he'll probably, he probably be at the crib chilling, watching, you know, being ready for next year. Um, I th- Yeah, he'll sign a veteran minimum with Miami and be back on their roster again next season. Um, do you feel like Miami, by adding Oladipo, has upgraded? I mean, you don't have a guy like Victor Oladipo and say you didn't upgrade, but have they moved themselves to a point where they're back to being the same type of threat they were when they got to the finals? I mean, I, I let me say this. I would not – Miami Miami finds a way to get things done because Miami's in the fifth seed. They're currently, they're currently half a game from the fourth seed, right? They still have all their core young pieces, and um, now you add that much firepower in Victor Oladipo, yeah. Because you could literally have, you could have Dragic whenever he comes back. You could have um, Oladipo. Oh, and Miami is going to move into the fourth seed. Uh, and let me just go. I'm sorry to interject. Miami is definitely going to at least be the fourth seed because Charlotte will not be able to hold water for the remainder of the season. Lamelo Ball. Broke his wrist. He's out for the season. Um, I do believe Charlotte will remain competitive. They may be able to hold the line long enough to, you know, be in that seven to ten conversation that gets you an opportunity to play into the playoffs. But I can't see Charlotte being able to hold hold that fourth seed. No. So mm-hmm. I see Miami overtaking them probably within the next week or so. Yeah, but then they also got see the thing about it. They also picked up that dude Bielitsa from the Kings. Uh, who's like a stretch? Who's a stretch mm. four? And if they get Lamarcus Aldridge, yeah. who's another stretch four, um, so now you turn around, you got uh, again start lineup: Dragic, Jimmy, Joe, Oladipo, Jimmy Butler. Let's say they get Lamarcus Aldridge, and then you get Bam right there at the five. That's a decent, and then you still have you still have uh, Tyler Hero coming off the bench. You still have. Um, Duncan Robinson coming off the bench. Still got Kendrick Nunn coming off the Duncan starts. No, but what I'm saying is if you put Oladipo, what yeah. I'm saying is into, into that, that lineup. lineup. Yeah. Maybe you yeah, you're gonna have somebody's to, gonna, gonna be shifted. Somebody's gonna be shifted. But again, you're just adding you still keep your shooters, but now you right. add a score another scorer. That's a big an ice yeah, and a, a shot 
go get me a bucket. Exactly. I, I, exactly. So that's the that's one of the biggest things that you now as um, Miami, you're able to do, and you're able to do that with um without giving up anything. Like I said, you gave up two non rotational players. I mean, Olenek was in the rotation, but that he wasn't going to be in the rotation for that long, being that they had to make those trades. So again, Miami's in the mix. They're very much in the mix. Um, that's that's one of the things. But let me let's let's transition because again, Miami is, you know, Pat Riley. They they figure, they always find a way, right? They find a way to keep pieces mm-hmm. or get pieces to get players, and they draft well. And they, you know, what I mean, they always, um, they always find a way to do those things. But I want to transition just to the other another team that made a trade, which, I mean, I'll before I before I give my take, I'll I'll let you. What your take is, but the um Portland Trailblazers they traded oh, they, they traded um Rodney Hood and Gary Trent Jr. to the Raptors for Norman Powell. And then, let me say this that was one trade I did not see happening, and I'm still scratching my head on like why did it happen. Well, we did speculate that Norman Powell was going to yeah, move. Right. Norman Powell had basically, at that same game that Kyle Lowry, you know, kind of, you know, that they did the on and off again thing with him. Um, Norman Powell basically spoke to everybody in the Raptors organization, and they had kind of like given him the, you know, the farewell. Um, Norman Powell is a class NBA player. He, he's, he does his job. He's been a good citizen for the Raptors. He played very hard on that championship on the team. He's always been a hardworking, hard-playing, improved-by-the-year quality guy, quality three-point shooter, quality defender. Um, gives you a little bit of everything. Undersized for the two, but plays bigger than his size. Defends bigger than his size. I, I don't want to take anything away from Norman Powell. But Jesus Christ, you traded Norman Powell for... You let Gary Trent go. Gary Trent got a gun. Mm-hmm. Certified gun. Yeah. Like, okay, CJ McCollum, you don't want to play or you're hurt? No problem. We got Gary Trent to hold it down by the chicken. And that's exactly what he did. He held it down by the chicken. Now, listen, I don't want to speak too crazily about Rodney Hood because Rodney Hood is one of those guys. He went to Duke. And, you know, I have a favor for guys who went to Duke. So I like guys who went to Duke and played well. But Rodney Hood has always been that guy where it's like, yeah, the scouts, I don't know what you're going to do tonight. Uh-huh. You know, when he went to Cleveland and it looked like he was getting free from the, the previous franchise and he was going to be playing with LeBron, I thought Rodney Hood was going to go off. That didn't happen. Yeah. Then he goes to Portland and it's like, oh, he's playing with 17 other different wings. Then he goes uh-huh. over and he tears his Achilles. So, I mean, Rodney Hood, he's a, he's a known unknown commodity. He's 6'7", left-handed. Herky jerky can score off of open shots, can create a little bit. Got a nice little fadeaway jump shot going to his left. Um, I can understand Portland moving off of him, mm-hmm. but I just don't understand where you fit Norman Powell into what the Trailblazers have going. Is that your way of saying that you need to clear that backcourt up so it's just Dame, CJ, Simons, and now Norman Powell? Because they do have uh, they do have a collection of defensive wings, which is what they mm-hmm. had lost in those couple of those couple of years prior. They had let go of Alfarika Minu, they had let go of Mo Harkless, they had moved off of those guys, and then they brought in Derrick mm-hmm. Jones, 
who who's a defensive wing who you know runs the floor gets his basket off of alley oops tips mm-hmm. things of those nature. Not really a shooter. Uh-oh. And now you bring in Norman Powell who be, who brings you a little bit of that too off your bench. But I just don't know. I don't I don't see that as a needle moving. I'm, I'm well. Perplexed. Let me say this: as I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the stats now. They also said that. Norman Powell was having a breakout season. I mean, he's averaging 19 points a game. Um, and he was shooting 43% from the uh, from the three-point line. But he's the shortest of the three players. So, now, he definitely plays – he's aggressive. But I don't see how – and I know they um, – Gary Trent Jr. was going to be a restricted free agent. And maybe they – Rodney Hood, as I'm looking at his contract, he still had next um, – next season as well on the books. But the reality is I feel like you just ride that out because I don't think you bring in Norman Powell in who's necessarily not into the system and the flow of things and you take a key rotational player in Gary Trent out that was pretty much like your, your big-time six-man and your starting two-guard once um, CJ was out. So I feel like you're you're gonna mess up chemistry because chemistry is a big thing in the NBA, especially the teams like that have been together for years. You know, so once you start interfering with that chemistry, that that's that's gonna be tough, and you're not getting that much more production, if any more. I mean, I really feel like you got rid of two players who gave you more than what Norman Powell was gonna give you, like it, and and. You traded away two dookies at once. Because yeah. Gary Trent Jr. Oh, went that's to right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. So I'm starting to think there. I'm starting to think there was some type of bias in guys who went to uh, Duke being able. To play I don't think nobody, you know? nobody care about that. You know? you know, I mean, I think I think they just wanted to keep the the small unknown school vibe going, which doesn't make sense because I think Norman Powell with you. He did. Yeah. So you got C.J. McCollum who went to what? Uh, Lehigh. Lehigh. Yeah, yeah. You got. You got you got uh, Dame Lillard who went to Weber mm-hmm. State, Nurkic who you know he went to the University of Eastern Europe. Right. Um, Melo doesn't even start. Not Melo's. Yeah, Melo's right? coming off the bench like the seventh man because you got Covington coming off the bench as a three, uh, and maybe and maybe maybe you'll get Powell to even. No, nah, I feel like Powell's going off the bench, or he might play that three position because you know Covington. He might start, but he's not playing like the you know he's not playing thirty minutes a night. He's know? not playing exactly. So, yeah. but I still feel like you're messing up. You remove the chemistry for what? Like, I, maybe it's something to it that we don't know. You know what I'm saying? But like it's got to be something else too. Because I, yeah, maybe, I don't see maybe why maybe that Gary, move maybe maybe, maybe Gary Trent was ruffling feathers with his situation. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe he was making them feel uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't like to speculate yeah, yeah, on facts. the possibility of what a guy could have been doing. But again, with what Portland did and where they're currently sitting, they're at the sixth spot in the in, in the West. Um, with the Los Angeles Lakers and the tailspin that they're in because of their health situation, Portland could get up to like the fourth seed. Okay, fine. But they're not gonna overtake. I, I sincerely doubt that they'll, you know, be able to leap past Phoenix let alone Utah. So what did you really get? And you have a veteran-tested team that can go anywhere. Dame's game travel. Mm-hmm. He's proven. Yes, right. So 
I think really what it boils down to, Portland is one of those teams. And then, and, and the year that they went to the Western Conference, favorite. Mm-hmm. They weren't a favorite. They they worked their way there, like they've done every year when they've advanced far in the playoffs. So you you can't you can't say this is a oh we wanted to you know improve our team to get the best seeding position possible situation because it doesn't really support the logic of of how the playoffs work with a team like Portland. Portland is I don't think Portland's a team where their home court advantage is so like mystifying that it intimidates people who come there. Whereas Dane with the ball anytime in the fourth quarter, no matter where he's at, is going to scare the other team. So it's like you have that factor already. You have that it factor. Our game travels. I do know that Norman Powell, of course, is a championship-tested veteran, like you said, who's having the best season in his career. Fine. You make a move. But I think it was a reach. I do, too. I just genuinely think it was a reach. I just didn't see it. And, again, you know, maybe they saw – again, like you said, the rumblings are what they are. But, again, that was the one position that I – the one trade that I was like, what? Like, why would you do that? Because, like I said – I felt like certain certain teams and certain teams need chemistry. You know what I mean? In Portland, they need you know they need mm-hmm. that, and plus they're getting a lot of guys that are coming off of injuries. So now you add a player that who's you know hasn't been there, but you know we'll see what happens. You know, but um, what one little sneaky move that may amount to something may not. JJ Reddick got moved to Dallas. Um. Yeah, I was just about that to talk was, about that. you know, really... that I guess because they lost um, Seth Seth Curry last year, they needed another consistent uh, a three point threat because to me Dallas Spot always feels shooter. like they're always missing that, like something like that, you know what I mean? So they got him. So we'll see what happens with JJ Redick. I know he he wanted to be on the East Coast, but you know, and this is the NBA, you don't really get a chance to to get what you want, you know, unless you Dallas ain't too bad. Dallas yeah, no state tax. I mean, we got he, a he, phenomenal arena. The, the owners, you know, you got a you, you... quick flight from New Orleans. Quick flight because Dallas and New Orleans. It's always been mystifying to me that New Orleans has somehow been in the Western Conference as long as they have. I don't know what team needs to get shifted, or even if there's a team that can be, but New Orleans does not belong in the Western Conference, just geographically speaking. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have any type of common sense, you know that New Orleans being in the Western Conference has always been one of the most troubling things. That exists in the NBA, but I mean, every league has one of those teams where yeah, really they don't fit. Division. But, but I do think that New Orleans playing in the East probably benefits them at a level that we'll never get to see because unfortunately they're not there. But New Orleans at nineteen and twenty four would be right behind Chicago mm-hmm. right now in the in the East. They would be in that that tenth spot. Now, obviously, out West they're in only in the eleventh, so it's not so bad. But again. JJ Reddick being free JJ Reddick mm-hmm. was kind of like the call tag for the season for for the, the Pelicans. Yeah. Well, all that they have going, you know, it was just a matter of time of figuring out where JJ Reddick was going to land. So him winding up in Dallas, I do think, like you said, of course, statistically, he's not even having a great season, but just off of his reputation alone and what he's done in the league, his equity should warrant that, you know, he'll create, you know, better mm-hmm. shooting opportunities for Dallas. But I don't know if shooting is what Dallas's issue is. I really Dallas is sitting at the seventh spot. Did a lot of these teams and where they are right now is not a reflection of where they can be when the season's over, but it is a reflection of how inconsistent and how like unique this season has been. You know, we know that 
that Luka Doncic is an A-list player. We know what Porzingis is capable of. He hasn't really been able to put it together since he's been in Dallas for a full season. So we can't really, you know, call it much. But we know that that Dallas team is capable of big things because they put on a show when they were in the playoffs in the bubble last year versus the Clippers. They gave the Clippers a run. So it's to be said that come playoff time, they're going to be a problem for, for whoever they face. And I think the way that the Western Conference playoffs are, are facing up right now, like if you're Dallas – and your first round series, your first round playoff series is against Phoenix? Are you scared? No, heck no. But I think that's why you show up to shoot him because the reality is the only shooter or possible shooter was Tim Hardaway and maybe maybe Luca when he does a step back threes, but because Josh mm-hmm. Richardson was not a shooter. So just not. you know what I mean? So again, you throw in somebody who is and the way you have enough defensive players that coming off the bench, you can you can hide JJ uh, on the defensive side because you have Josh. Yeah, you put JJ Redick out there on your bench on your bench unit. You got you got Redick at the two, Richardson at the three. You got Finney Smith who can play the three or four. Mm-hmm. And you got so, Dwight Powell or um, Cleveland or a man who with the Kentucky. Well, Cleveland starts, so you can. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Oh Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah, yeah. You got Cauley Stein, so you can put out an all defense second unit. And just balance it out with with a steady point guard, but um, I think they moved off of their point guard, didn't they? Move Dylan Wright. Uh, but no, 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 no. But that was that was a long time ago. They, they were using Brunson as their um, um yeah, back start, the, the backcourt guy because um, Delon Wright Wright was um he was in um he had just got traded, but he was yeah. in Detroit, and now he got bumped. Right. I, if I'm not mistaken, he got bumped to Sacramento, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that. Another place he doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, but again, that's, it, that's 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 probably he'll probably be you know dumped. You know what I mean? Because you don't need him. You got eighty five yeah, guards. So as we continue, none of them do anything. So as we continue our run and our recap of of the draft, I mean at the draft of the, the trade deadline, let's go ahead and dig deep into what is Denver going to do with Aaron Gordon? We start him. Yeah, I mean, you probably started because you're not going to bring him over. And Michael Porter Jr. is, I mean, as much as as much as much he's a good player, I don't know if he's consistent enough to start over Aaron Gordon. And that's just maybe because of, of experience in the league. I mean, I think Gordon, Gordon is, in my opinion, I don't think Gordon's a better player than, than uh, Michael Porter Jr. But Michael Porter Jr. is in his second year, and he, the what we saw in the bubble – is not necessarily translating into the season right now. So we're that's, giving that's you 16 a, uh, at 30 minutes a game, PR of 19. Um, but again, you know, sometimes those stats are misleading, you know what I mean? Because yeah. there might be some games where you can get you 16, 18 points, but then the next night he might get you 11 or, or 12. Sure. He's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, and then also you're looking at, well, how many um, field goal attempts did he make? But if we look at the minutes distribution, so Jokic, starting center, gives you 36 minutes a game. Jamal Murray gives you about 36. Will Barton, welcome home. He's giving you 31 minutes a game. Gary Harris, who got traded. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gary, tra- Gary Harris. Tra- but again, Harris, yo, Harris, his agent is phenomenal because he was, he's got like two more years of like, what, $17, $18 million a season? Like and I'm like, this is a cat that hasn't really been playing. So I'm well, just he got like, hurt. yo, 
he got hurt. He and got that hurt. Affected, that affected Denver in the bubble, but then he came back and he was part of. You but know, he's how, hurt again. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, but that contract is still rolling in. Yeah, and those still undersized rolling. two guards, those undersized two guards, like I said, it's like undersized two guards, undersized power forwards. Those guys, they they, they deteriorate quickly, man. They deteriorate quickly mm-hmm. because they have to play a little bit, and that's why I'm sketchy on Norman Powell because he's yeah. playing bigger than what he truly is, and eventually that catches up to you from from a physical standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, like. Yeah, you jump high as everybody does when you're 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. But then as you start to go into your prime, your athleticism, it levels off. Yeah, you're still a high jumper, but guess what? All those guys who say play play the same position as you, they're still naturally taller and still got a longer wingspan. So it starts to level itself out. And now your court savvy and your, your basketball IQ has to take over. And only guys who really turned it into something super long, with super longevity is like Paul Millsap. We saw what yeah. happened to um, we saw what happened to um, what was his name? Fareed. Yeah, Kenneth Fareed. Yeah, yeah. Who another person that played on Denver? Mm-hmm. He's all Denver players basically. Uh, but the crazy part about everything as I'm looking at Gary Harris, he's never played any more than the last three season seasons. He's not. He hasn't even made sixty games. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Detroit. Detroit, but um, Denver's like, yo, we got to move off him. Um, and again, the, the Aaron Gordon move again, I say, you know, it is what it is, you know what I mean? I will, we'll have to see what happens with that. He traveled, but um, does is, is, is he gonna play the three? Is he gonna play the four? I, where, where I, do you put Aaron Gordon? I think you have because to I don't put him want at the... to see him, I do not want to see him dribbling the ball, and thankfully, he's where, where Jokic isn't gonna let him. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. Because you run that high post offense, you know, just cut. Just cut. Use your athleticism. I got alley-oops for you. I got spot-up threes. But please do not try to take somebody off the dribble with your 17 moves that get you nowhere. Yeah. I, like I said, yo, he's got to they, um, they – they got to score quick. Because Aaron Gordon, to me, the, the, the more he – He's not an the, effective screen setter. So it's yeah. not like – Coming off of Aaron Gordon's screen, a guy is looking to get like wide open lanes to the basket or whatever because mm-hmm. he's not a true big as a four. He's six eight. He does carry his weight well, but it's just there's something not there in his game that Yo, like keeps I, him. Okay, I'm gonna say what I think. He don't listen. A lot of people think they dogs, and there's a lot of different dogs out there in the world. There's Chihuahuas. There's Rockwallers. Dude, you know, he's not a rock wall. He ain't a pit. He ain't that type of dog. He just like is a cool player. He, you know, he gets he has the athleticism, you know, but he he's not that he's not that dude that I'm be like, yo. Like to me, I feel like he ain't that dude. Is so, he a Yorkie? Is he a Yorkie? I mean, nah, he might be like a miniature pincher or something. You know what I mean? Like he got a lot of bark. He's, he's not a pool, right? He's not yeah, a pool. Nah, he's, he's not a listen. He's far from a scrub. He's far from absolutely trash. Absolutely. But he ain't like he ain't that. And I feel like at this point in his career, he needed to be that. Like, and he he hasn't been. So and and he's had like because you got to think about. Remember when he came out with the oh I want to be traded, and I'm like, little do you know, you was already on the block. To be traded, it was. Don't tell me what you want. Yeah, dog. We, we've been shopping you and not getting good offers for you. Attention. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've been trying to shop you since you lost the dunk contest twice. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, since D Wade clowned you and you started doing um rap videos. Nah, I'm good. We don't, you don't need to be out here in Orlando, B. Like I said, but again, I'm not going to take nothing from him because he could play, but he just, he's to me at best, and it, to me, it's a stretch to say he's the third best option. But in reality, I thought by now in his career, he would have been no, a number two. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, that's just, you know, having that six, six, eight athleticism, but again, not really having any go to move. No, like he's got a ton of moves. None of them are effective. None. That's what I'm saying. It's so it's like, yo, at this level. It's frightening. I've literally seen Aaron go in isolation, left wing, dribble, 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 crossover, in and out. The defender don't go nowhere. And he pulls up right in that yeah. same defender's face and shoots a contested 18 to 20 footer. It's like, bro. Yeah, and the only time he's open is because he jumps so much higher than the defender. That's why it look like he get open shots. But the reality is, like, no, you're just jumping higher than the person. But that's a good defensive st- contested shot. Yeah, you don't have you, know you don't I mean? have but, no blowbys in your arsenal. Your, your post game doesn't allow you to take advantage of any type of mismatch because there's rarely one that is a mismatch. Because at six eight, what, well, let's say what you're gonna post up some of the, the power forwards? No, you're not. Okay, so then you get switched on to a small forward. You don't post them up and have any type of effective reliable big man moves that 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 make that worth its while so like again you're the same height as paul Millsap. literally you're the same mm-hmm. height as paul yeah. Millsap. and paul Millsap has made himself 50 to 60 percent more effective as you over his career yeah there's been times where paul so Millsap we'll is like you know unguardable out there I've never yeah. felt that way about yeah. aaron, aaron gordon and that's not again like you said that's no, not, to, not that's not to take anything away from what he's done and his equity in the league. He's a consistent double-digit points-per-game scorer, consistent with, you know, getting almost 10 rebounds a game. I don't want to take anything away from him. I don't know if he's an A-level defender because I've never really seen that exhibited in Orlando because as soon as Jonathan mm-hmm. Isaac showed up, they all of a sudden said he's the best defensive player that the Magic had. So what does that say about you as yeah. a quote-unquote I don't want to say franchise because the face of the franchise, the face of the franchise. Okay, fine. I'll call you face of the franchise, but not the franchise. Player. Just because you've been there the longest and they drafted you, you know what I mean. Okay. But but also, let's say this: this might be what he is known for in his career. Might be exactly what Denver needs because Denver does have a lot of other weapons. Mm-hmm. So if he can give you fifteen and six rebounds, if he brings his production there with a with with great efficiency that could that could be the exactly that could be what denver needs because denver is a team that plays in a unique atmosphere when you go and play in denver the air is different so your ability to run up and down the court is hampered by the fact that their altitude different tires you out quicker Uh, aaron gordon running up and down the floor in denver being able to get a lot of easier baskets that he got in Orlando, it definitely does seem to, it definitely will benefit. Mind you, where did he go to college? He went to Arizona. So he's used to that atmosphere. He's used to that mountain time. So it might, we might see a version of Aaron Gordon we never got to see before simply because he's not required to do as much as he was asked to do or needed to do in Orlando. Or maybe he was just like we've been Mm -hmm. trying to point out but not say he was miscast. Because that happens to players. Yeah. Sometimes in certain situations, you're asked to do things that you're just absolutely never going to be good at. But because they have nobody else to do it and you can do it at a mediocre level, you're, you're obliged to. So fine. I, but mm-hmm. I just, again, I don't see 
anything Denver's done in the past two off seasons and seasons combined as far as with their player movement that has actually uh, let's just be real. Yeah, y'all let go of Jeremy Grant, and y'all probably couldn't afford him based off of what Detroit gave him. Mm-hmm. But y'all lost yeah. him and Plumlee. But and I think I felt like this move today by them getting JaVel McGee and getting Aaron Gordon is just literally replacing those two guys that they lost. Different, and they're hoping though. they're banking. They're exactly, and they're just banking on those the new players to be who those other players were. And I think that they'll live with that because when I'm looking at their lineup, again, you'll put, you McGee can put either, I think, and, well, yeah, you can, you can alternate with what you're going to do with MPJ and, um, and Aaron Gordon. You know, you can start one, bench the other. Exactly. It's not really going to be. Now, obviously, you're probably going to get better perimeter scoring with MPJ out there on the floor because he truly does, he can truly shoot. And I think, you know, Aaron Gordon this year is shooting the best three-point shooting of his career. I think he's at 37%. So, yeah, yeah. again, we don't know what we're going to get. Denver looks like they're trying to just basically prep themselves for another deep playoff run, and hopefully Aaron Gordon can contribute to that and give them what they're looking for. But, I, again, as far as pushing the needle and making them better or a threat, I don't even know if um, if that even matters. Because the way that the Western Conference playoffs are set, home court advantage is almost irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I mean, only against Utah is it really going to matter because that's one of the toughest places to play in the world, period. You go into Utah, that environment is just brutal. You saw what it did to Russell Westbrook. He almost killed somebody there because those fans are just out of control. It is what it is when you, when you play in Utah. But the other arenas, like, nobody's scared to go play a game seven in Phoenix, bro. Nobody's going to be scared mm-hmm. to play the Clippers in Staples Center. I'm sorry. And that's not to knock what the Clippers bring to the table. It's just the fact that their roster and what they did last year removed that element of, oh, we should be worried about you guys. We saw Denver come back on y'all three to one. So we know that y'all capable mm-hmm. of folding. Y'all have folding genes already in your DNA. The Lakers, <laughs> again, the Lakers, again, because of their health situation, we don't know what version of them is going to show up come playoff time. Denver, that's a place that's tough to play on the road. Portland, that's a place that's tough to play on the road. Dallas, eh, you know, Dallas playing in Dallas is kind of like an all-star. San Antonio, that's another tough road game for you to play, but they're the eighth seed. And I can see San Antonio giving Utah problems because Popovich is just that good of a coach. So right now, the way the Western Conference is currently configured, they're just as wild as what's going on in the East. But in the East, we expect. Philadelphia, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn to be one of those top teams. Like, it's it's almost a given. I keep saying I don't think anybody's going to catch Utah, and I don't see any reason to back off of that. Because, again, they're so dominant at home that they literally just have to be 500 for the rest of the season on the road, and they're probably still going to be the number one seed in the West. And they did nothing. Nothing. As far as the trade mm-hmm. deadline goes. Um, I think... Oh, they picked, they picked up some, but I don't even know if the guys are going to play. But if somebody from Toronto, one of their like backup backups, mm. you know what I mean. But I think that was more so like we we'll just we'll just do something. But the move, you know what I mean. The Let's moves just say, that check are still a box. yet to be made are the ones that are probably going to be the most impactful as far as the top tier teams go. I've been I've been speaking Andre Drummond to the Lakers since the beginning of the season, have I not? 
I've been saying it consistently. Andre Drummond most likely is going to find his way to the Lakers. If that happens, I think that that probably restores order in regards to the composition of the Lakers roster. Because you think about what they lost from that championship team, and they lost a big that can get up and down the floor, rebounds the ball with, with, with reckless abandon, and is going to give you quality interior defense. That's Andre Drummond. And they lost that when JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard went their separate ways. But you get that all back in one guy who you may even be able to start because he ain't going to ask the score. And it's been proven that the Lakers will play with any version of a big man that they have because they started with Marcus Gasol playing that high post. Oh, the Lakers have a witty new offense now. Marcus Gasol is making all these great passes. Now Marcus Gasol ain't even on the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that was like, you know, game one, you know what I mean, of the season. Of course, the guy looks nice in game one of the season. He's fully – He's, you know, he was already – the check engine light was already on for him. You know what I mean? But it's just one of those things where it was like, yo, you know, so it's just a matter of time. You know what I mean? But um, Yeah, the wear and tear on the 36-year-old foreign center is going to – that mileage is going to show up a lot quicker than, than it does on, on a younger player. I and agree. also in a new system, too, mm-hmm. that they expects more from him. They expect, they expect a player that – the player they wanted and needed was – that player five years ago, not the player that they currently got today. Yeah, you know what I mean. And because when well, that's what happens with a lot of players, sometimes when you see certain certain guys that have been in certain certain teams for a certain amount of years, and all of a sudden they get traded to a new team, and they're, they're that themselves. game sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you can't you know, bring that you can't bring is. that same element um, to the table that you did for a franchise for you know an extended period of time. I mean, that's gonna happen. Um, any other any other trade nuggets that you want to you want to point out like I, I i spared the knicks because what the knicks did is almost you know not even worth mentioning i don't even know if they acquired somebody did they just participate in the george hill they trade? traded austin rivers yeah. and got uh terrence terrence ferguson but i don't know if he'll play i think the knicks are just wanted to stay put i think i think that from from what i'm getting at is i think there were a couple of teams out there or trades out there like the, you know the whole alonzo ball Excuse me, but I I believe that you know um, the 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 what you call the Pelicans wanted a little bit too much, you know what I mean? Then the Knicks were willing to give up. The Knicks aren't really inclined to really willing trying to get give up player. I mean players that um, that that don't fit. Like again, I'm not going to give up draft picks. And I guess they figure, like, you know what, this guy's going to be a restricted free agent anyway. There's a possibility after the season we can go get him. Um, the Knicks actually beat, came back. They were down halftime to um, the Wizards, came back and won. Um, and so the Knicks are currently in fourth place because Miami just lost to Portland. And Miami's lost four straight. Knicks have won two straight. So the Knicks are currently in the fifth, speed, fifth spot. They actually tied for Charlotte for the for the fourth seed, but I guess because of um percentage points. Percentage points. Mm. Um they're in the fifth seed. But again, you know, this just real quick on the Knicks, you know, the Knicks season is definitely positive. I mean, it took them almost sixty games last year to get to twenty uh twenty wins or whatever. But the thing about the Knicks is a lot of fans, or there are fans out there, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are fans out there that want the Knicks to continue to stay competitive, but lose, like kind of tank. And I'm like, I'm of the mindset is win as many games as you can because, tank. yes, you might get a – because they feel like if you continue to draft, you can get a higher draft pick by if you're, if you're tanking but you're staying competitive. And I'm, I'm not of that mindset. I, the more games you win, 
the better because you're in the East. And there's a possibility that you can get that fourth seed. And I would take a fourth seed or the Knicks and a first-round matchup against the Hornets or against Miami or even against uh, the Hawks, whoever it may be. I like the Knicks' chances against those. Ideally, yes, you don't want them, the Knicks, to play, you know, one of the top three seeds in Brooklyn, the Bucks, or the Philly in the same in the first first round. So you're like, well, maybe maybe that's why you want them to have a lower season. But my thing is, if the fourth seed is up for grabs, go get yeah, it. Absolutely, because this if is wide open. Is go up get for it. Grabs, go get it. Yeah, four, four, five. Go get it because because the whole season you've been kind of tinkering around that thing. Now again. You start losing consecutive games in a row. You could go from fourth seed all the way down to tenth. But I, I think if the, if you're looking at banking on any potential free agents to come, the same way other teams have done that, where we stay competitive and then teams want you know star players want to come. I think for the Knicks, you continue to stay this competitive because if you could get the fourth or the fifth seed. That puts a lot of potential free agents on notice. Like, yo, wait, the Knicks ain't uh, even – they got Randall, but they ain't really got nobody else. Listen, in the history of Tom so, Thibodeau as coach, who was the biggest free agent he ever signed? Who said, I want to go play for Tom Thibodeau? I'll wait. Yeah, I, no, but I, my, my thing is – my thing is I'm looking at it from the standpoint of you Have got the World Wide West. more attractive? The, yes. Has their yes. play style and their personnel and their coaching become more attractive? No. And I'm just speaking that because I can be impartial. I am absolutely mm-hmm. proud of the Knicks. And I remember telling you years ago, years ago, maybe even a decade ago, yo, C. Grant, I don't think the Knicks is ever going to be successful until I leave New York. And I remember you telling me, well, then why don't you move? Mm-hmm. And here we are. I vacated New York and literally less than a calendar year. Son, I remember. remember. So I don't want to connect my personal living in New York with their success now, but looking at them objectively, because I can, the Knicks have definitely upgraded their appearance as a franchise with all of the moves that they made in the front office with with, with the, you know, the swapping out, the adding of Mm -hmm. World Wide West, the, the, the quiet Leon of James Rose. Dolan, Leon Rose, um, the welcoming of veteran players who may not necessarily be the best, but contribute to the culture. So there is a culture mm-hmm. in place now in New York. But I don't know if that yeah. culture is attractive to young stars because the young stars that are that are rising or the, the, the players that can swing franchises, how many of them are known for their like defense? Oladipo did want to go to New York. I will say that. We spoke about it. We spoke about the possibility mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of Oladipo finding his way to New York. And this is before I had read that the two places he wanted to go that he has a lust for were Miami or New York. But obviously, like you said, New York didn't want to give up assets or didn't have the assets that Houston wanted, which really don't make no sense to me because Houston literally gave Oladipo away for like some chicken. And I don't even think they got fries. Like, I don't know what. Nah. The, yeah. Olenek, Avery Bradley. Like, come on, man. And I think a draft pick, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was something like something like by the way, it was something like, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was like Houston, yeah, they um 
in my opinion, they didn't they didn't get what they were supposed to get. But you know, it is what it Houston's is. Houston's sitting on equity, um, and and we got, I spoke yeah, to that a on 20, the last a twenty twenty two pick swap. Yeah, and, and I told you that Houston was sitting on equity because I think they're really high on Kevin Porter Jr. and that kind of mm-hmm. like when you get blinders because you've got a guy that you believe is super talented, you kind of like forsake what's already there. And if they had leveraged Oladipo properly, they probably could have got something, you know, of more value from Miami or from whatever team had been reaching out to them. But I just guess that Houston was like, you know what, let's just make this guy happy because Oladipo has gone through some stuff, man. He has. It's been it's been a really up and down past three years for him. You know, he what did he break his mm-hmm. patella or fractured his knee? Yeah. He he had a really, you know, unique knee injury, one that very few players actually come back from. He came back from it. He put his heart and soul out in trying to prove he was still the same player he was in Indiana, only to get traded for Karis LeVert and wind up in Houston. So he didn't even get traded to a team where he could have, you know, like be a part of the Nets bandwagon. He got traded to the Rockets, mm-hmm. a team where James, out, where, where yeah, James yeah. Harden is basically trying to tell everybody don't go there. And then, you know, P.J. Tucker backs that up by getting himself shipped out. So – I think it was an effort on all parties involved to get him an outcome that he felt comfortable with, considering he had already declined to sign that extension. So Houston did make themselves available to him to join the franchise, but it wasn't at a number that he liked and it wasn't a situation that he liked. So they got into a situation that he likes, you know, great for him. Mm -hmm. But do I think Houston did right by their franchise with how they moved him? No, they could have done better. They could have done better. Well, but obviously, let's, let's be, you don't want to keep that guy while you're going 12 and 31 and you have no chance of making the playoffs and he's giving you 20 points per game. So you do have to get something. But I don't necessarily listen, believe that that was the best offer they had available. No, listen, let's be let's be honest. When they first – Houston could have did a better deal straight up with the Nets. Mm-hmm. They could have got Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. Those are a lot better than Kelly Olenek, Avery Bailey, and a pick swap. And a couple other drafted because you traded Harden for that three-team trade to bring Oladipo in. But the reality is you could have got young talent that could have fit those pieces because Karis LeVert is an up-and-coming player. And you got Jaron Allen for your rim protection that would have helped Kristen Wood slot over to the four position. And you have Karis LeVert at the three, got John Wall as the point, and you could have figured the two got out. That that right there would have made you. You more still were gonna wind up getting. 20. You were still gonna wind up getting KPJ. Get half of those draft picks. Yeah, you got you KPJ still got, for a bucket of chicken from Cleveland. Exactly, and you still had a bunch of draft picks as well. So, then again, you know what I mean. I I don't know what's going on over there in Houston, but when you look at the end of the day, that this is what you got out of at the end of the season. When you look back at what James Harden got traded for, and only. Things that are there are a few draft picks and Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley, but you had the opportunity to get Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and draft picks. Yeah. You know, what I mean, this is why certain franchises don't don't make those don't make that um don't get over the hump because it's bad decisions. But you know, it is so. On that is. note, we're gonna go ahead and bring this episode to a close. As always, we'd like to say thank you to our listeners, subscribers, and supporters. If you would like to join the wave, you could do so by leaving us a voice note on any of the podcasting platforms we are hosted on. You can message us directly at viewsfromtheclutch at gmail.com. Tag us on social media at viewsfromtheclutch on Instagram and Facebook. And on that note, you say peace.